0: Let's take our Bibles tonight and look at several places. We'll start with Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll go then soon to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to talk to you tonight about your destiny. Your destiny. And this is going to tie in to the doctrine we've been learning about in Philippians chapter 3. You'll hear people uh, talk. uh, I can't even talk myself. You will hear people often today talk about karma. People really believe in karma today. And it's because there's a vacuum of true doctrine. And so it has to be filled by something. And so it's filled by the, the uh, New Age Indian Hindu uh, form of religion. The idea that your actions uh, will determine your fate You are destined to be a certain way. Uh, We see that in mythology, in Greek mythology, the fates. They predetermined the outcomes of people's lives. And uh, you see that in in pop culture. uh, Things like the force. In Star Wars, the idea is the force is binding everything together and it's guiding people's destinies. May the force be with you and it's your destiny, things like that. Well, the word destiny is in the Bible. It's in the Bible four times. It's connected to the word predestination, destiny. And so, oh, here is a man of good morals, a good man of water of Jerusalem. Thank you for that. Uh, and our Calvinist brethren believe, and I believe that they're, they're our brethren, uh, they believe and uh, they, John Calvin taught and Augustine taught many, many years before him that God in eternity past decided the destinies of men and women, that he, he knew who, he determined who he would save and who would not be saved. And so the only reason why a person believes on Jesus Christ is because God has already decreed that he would make you believe on Jesus Christ. And uh, so predestinated people go to heaven. They're predestinated unto salvation. And those who are predestinated to go to hell, they cannot be saved. And uh, that's... it's, it's very unfortunate that those things have taken a hold because that is not how the Lord uses the word predestination in the Bible. I'm going to give you several several points and I want I don't want to be too dry and dusty, uh, but you pray because I think it's very important doctrine to understand. Let's start in Ephesians chapter 1. verse number three. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, our topic is not election tonight, but I want you to see it does not say in verse number five that he has elected us. It says that he has chosen us in him it does not say that he has chosen us before the foundation of the world do you see that the phrase in him is what makes all the difference verse 3 in christ verse 6 in the beloved so number 1 if you're taking notes tonight and they may and may help you stay awake you never know Number one, no verse specifies exactly when predestination occurs. But this gives us an indication. In him. So evidently you are not in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. How do I know that? Because I wasn't even alive. I didn't even exist before the foundation of the world. When I was born, I was born into Adam, and then I had to get out of Adam and into Christ. So predestination requires me being in Christ. The question is, when does a person get in Christ? Well, how can a person be in Christ if he or she does not exist? See, what happens is people look at it and they say, well, God knew who would exist and so he decided who would be saved and who would not be saved. But you're, you're, you're stretching that there. You're jumping past a phrase, in Christ. And he says, predestinated. Predestinated us unto the adoption of children. So when does a person get in Christ? He, he gets in Christ when he believes on him, not before the foundation of the world. All right. Number two, there is no predestination to salvation in the Bible. There's no predestination to salvation in the Bible. As we get into this, you'll see there's only four mentions of the word predestination and it's a big word and it's a Bible word. And so we think, wow, that's a really big word, but it's only mentioned four times and what that it's of course it's referenced other places not exactly that terminology but it's only mentioned those four times so you can you can learn the bible it's not as difficult as it might seem the word predestination is four times and it's specified here in verse number 5 to be unto the adoption of children not to eternal life it's not to forgiveness of sins It's not unto the new birth or regeneration. It's predestination unto the adoption of children. Number three, that's the point. Predestination is unto adoption. And the adoption of children is described in the Bible. It's defined in the scriptures as the redemption of our body. Okay, it's presented not as salvation, but as a blessing that comes with salvation. It's a blessing that God gives in addition to salvation. Now let's take our Bibles. Hold your place in Ephesians because we will come back there. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And don't worry, we haven't forgotten about Proverbs. We were, we're going to come back there, and we'll be doing that. But uh, what we, what I wanted to drill down on this subject tonight, Romans 8:19, Romans 8:19. "For the earnest expectation of the creature, talking about the creation, even the, even the animals themselves, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God." For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. The creation didn't get a choice in whether it got cursed. Mankind did have a choice. But again, if 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 you decide to kick your dog or to starve your dog, there's nothing your dog can do about it. Because it doesn't have the power. It doesn't have the, the will, the understanding. Now, of course, certain animals have different abilities and powers and so forth. But if you decide that you're going to hurt your pet, that's just the way it's going to be. Now you shouldn't hurt your pet. But you can kind of see the analogy there because the world didn't get a choice in whether or not it was placed under the curse. It was not willingly. It says, though, verse 21, the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, not just the creation, not just the animals, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit. That means, I e. That means that is it's when you say something is uh, you did something unwittingly, you did it without knowing. He says, but this he says the adoption to wit, we know what this is. Here's what it is: the redemption of our what's the word body, not the redemption of our soul or our spirit. The same author that wrote Ephesians chapter 1 is the one who writes here about the redemption of our body. He's not talking about a lost man who gets predestinated unto salvation. He's talking about a saved man, a saved man or woman, who is predestinated to the redemption of his or her body. It's going to happen. And that lines up with Ephesians chapter 1. Hold your place in Romans, but go back to Ephesians 1, verse number 11. In whom... There we are again. In Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance. Oh, what's the inheritance? Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. What does that look like? That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. In whom also, uh, ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed... Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Notice the, the, the sequence here. You trusted after you heard, and when you trusted the gospel, when you believed it, you were sealed. So you hear it, you believe it, and you're sealed. You're sealed with what? The Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. Well, who is the Holy Spirit? Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. It's the down payment. The earnest that says you are predestinated. I promise you this is your destiny. Then I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who is going to seal you and keep you saved and that is your evidence that you're going to have a new body. It's predestination under, to the redemption of the purchased possession. Notice he says, under the praise of his glory. Keep that phrase in mind. Glory. Glory. Wow. I don't know, if, I don't know about you. When I look in the mirror, I don't say glory. Glory. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm always looking at him going, man, well, I mean, there's something to work with. Maybe we can figure something out. You know, if you were to see Jesus in his glorified body, you would fall down on your face. Not because you were just afraid, but because you were like, I can't believe it. People do it all the time, don't they? There's a commercial where somebody pretends to faint because they're so impressed. Right? You see it all the time. Kids say it today. I'm, I'm just, that just kills me. I'm just dead. I'm dead. What is it? It's, I'm overwhelmed. Right? That's what you you and I would be, and that's what we will be when we see Christ. Overwhelmed by it, and we just faint. Look back at Romans chapter 8, verse number 30. Romans chapter 8, verse number 30. He says here, Moreover, whom he did predestinate... Them he also called, whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Wow. Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Remember we talked about this calling that we have. And the justification. It's a predestination unto the redemption of the purchased possession. Now, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And if you've got a a marker, you might hang on to those two places, Romans and Ephesians. It's hard to do, I know, but there's just a a couple places that we've got to continue to refer to. Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 now. Look what it says in verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God. There's something about my body that Does not glorify God I'm responsible to glorify God One of these days My body is going to be glorified And I'm not going to have to glorify God In my body anymore Because it'll be automatic I'll automatically glorify God Because that old nature will be gone You see your spirit was redeemed Your soul was redeemed When you believed in Christ But your body is not redeemed it's waiting it's waiting for the resurrection and at the resurrection it's going to be changed and it's going to be conformed to his image we talk about being conformed to the image of Christ and we say it's it's being more holier like Jesus you know it's being more compassionate like Jesus and certainly we would we want to do those things but but being conformed to the image the image in the bible is almost always a physical representation. An image is a physical representation. Jesus Christ, according to Colossians, was the image of the invisible God. He was physical. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ was the image of God, physical. So when, we, when he talks about being conformed to the image of his son, he's talking about physically looking like Jesus. Amazing. Let's go look over at chapter 15. He talks about this specifically in the resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, so also, I'm sorry, verse 42, 1 Corinthians 15, 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. What does that look like? It is sown in corruption. I've never thought when I looked at someone's body in a casket, Man, I wish they'd looked that good in real life. When they were alive, man, they really, why do they have to wait till the casket? Now listen, they do their best. I, I can't imagine being a mortician and having to, you know, try to fix people's bodies up. And it's a, kind of a gruesome job. They do a good job, but everybody knows that's not the real thing. Why? Because their body is corrupting, which is the reason they have to extract the blood out of the body. That's why bodies are embalmed, because the blood is the life. And that blood, when the person dies, it starts to corrupt. So when we put that body in the ground, it's not getting better, it's corrupting, it's corrupted. But notice, he says, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual. Now watch this. The first man is of the earth, earthy. That was Adam, made out of the ground, formed of the dust of the ground. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Heavenly. You see that? As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such as they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, We shall also bear the image of the heavenly. You see that? The image of the heavenly. Who is that? Verse 47. The Lord from heaven. The Lord from heaven is the image that we will bear when we get to heaven. We bear the image of Jesus Christ when we're resurrected. Now look at verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, what, what, Here, here is what we call the blessed hope, the rapture, because there are a few people that don't have to die in order to be changed. Most everybody's going to die. And by the way, we all want the rapture. But you know what we really don't want? We don't want to stay in this body forever. This body is not good for the long haul. I saw an interview of a lady, 100 years old, her birthday. She says, <laughs> you may have seen this. She puts the microphone in front of this lady, 100 years old. How are you feeling on your 100th birthday? She said, not good. <laughs> I'm like, finally, finally. somebody that's, uh, I'm not anywhere near 100, and I'm already feeling that why because our bodies are corrupted and they're corruptible and they are corrupting as we go All right but but that but there is a destiny for you it's a new body and he promised he's going to do it he said for this uh, look at, the, at verse 52 in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. He said, we're not all going to die, but we are all going to be changed. We will bear the image of Jesus Christ upon our resurrection. Keep that in mind. Now, let's go back to Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 29. He is going to prove it here that this resurrection body is like unto Christ, Romans 8, 29, he says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that we might be, that he might be, the firstborn among many brethren. So we have to ask a question. Jesus here, is Jesus the first man that was ever born? No, we know that. Was he the first man that was born again? No. No. Jesus didn't need to be born again in that sense. He did not have an old nature like we do. The firstborn among many brethren is referencing the resurrection. Now, look at Colossians Colossians chapter 1. We referenced this a moment ago. Colossians 1 verse 14. He says... In whom, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God. That is the physical representation of of God, is Jesus Christ. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. What is he talking about? Verse number 18 And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence. Jesus Christ is the first man to ever rise from the dead, never to die again. Never to die again. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Men before Christ rose from the dead, but they ended up dying again. Everyone will resurrect, but not everybody resurrected. Some have resurrected in the past. Not everyone, no one, resurrected with an incorruptible body like Jesus Christ. But Jesus rose from the dead with an incorruptible body. It cannot be corrupted. You cannot hurt that body. It's impervious. It's truly, it's what video games try to do, God mode. Jesus Christ was and is God. When he raised from the dead, he cannot be hurt. For the, rest of, for the rest of eternity Jesus Christ is called the first begotten from the dead And in, in the chapter where we were just reading Chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15 It says that he is the first fruits of them that slept Christ is the first fruits So he's the firstborn among many brethren He is the, he is the prototype of the eternal incorruptible being And he has said this If you're in me, I'm going to do the same thing to you You will be incorruptible. You will be absolutely untouchable. And I promise you that. So it's the redemption of the purchased possession. That's your body, which is purchased by God with the intention of being conformed to the image of his son when you're resurrected. Predestination is the adoption of children, which is the redemption of the body predestinated but 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 then we have to ask ourselves this if predestination was salvation then why are we waiting did you see that in Romans chapter 8 waiting for the adoption why are we waiting well it's it's not we're saved the moment that we believe in Jesus Christ. The adoption of children is clearly placed in the future by the Apostle Paul. He says, it's coming. hasn't happened yet. Say, Wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I thought I already had adoption. What are you talking about? What is this strange doctrine? Well, you have been redeemed. Your spirit and soul has been redeemed. But think about your body. Is this as good a job as God can do with your body? Your body hasn't been redeemed. If the adoption of children is salvation, and we're still waiting for the adoption, then the adoption cannot be to salvation. The adoption of children is future. And as we read this morning in Philippians chapter 3, the end of that passage, it lines right up there with what we just read. It says, Who shall change our vile body? He's going to change us. Change us. I'm ready for that change. I don't know about you. But let's look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. Because this is a little bit of a sticking point. Look at Galatians chapter 4. Look at verse number 4. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them there's the redemption, that we're under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, how do we become a son? By regeneration, being born of the Spirit. Because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of a son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So we've already been adopted, Notice he says that we might receive the adoption of sons. And he says we are sons. But Paul clearly said in Romans 8 that we are waiting for the adoption. We know that Scripture does not contradict itself. So here is the thought. Romans chapter 8 We have the spirit of adoption that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's future. Go back to Romans chapter 8. Hold Galatians chapter 4 there just for a second. Notice he says, not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption. Look at verse 25. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience... Wait for it. So twice he tells us in Romans chapter 8 that we have to wait. Wait for what? Wait for our body to be redeemed. And we already are the children of God. In in Galatians chapter 4, he said, Ye are sons. You are a son of God right now. You're in God's family. But your body has not yet been redeemed. To look like Jesus. Now look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 he says in verse 26 Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus not will be not shall be ye are for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have been put, have put on Christ. That's spiritual baptism. That's the baptism of the spirit. He baptizes you into his body, spiritual baptism, the new birth. So notice that there is a difference between being born of God and being adopted. How can you be born of God and adopted at the same time? You're either born into a family, right? Right. Or you're adopted into a family. The scripture says that we are born of God. And then it says that we are adopted. It says that we've received that spirit. Here's the difference. The difference is that your spirit and soul have been born. But your body has only received the earnest of the spirit. It's only received the down payment. It hasn't received the full payment of the adoption. So, in the same passage there in Galatians and in Romans, he says, we are, right now, we are the children of God, but we're waiting on the adoption, which is what? The redemption of our body. Okay? Now, let's take our Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and again, and Ephesians chapter 1. Romans chapter 8. So, how do we discern this? Here's how we discern it. There's a difference between the spirit of adoption and... And the adoption itself. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we have the Spirit of God, the spirit of adoption. We are the children of God. We're waiting on something. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse uh, 13. In whom ye also trusted... After that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. So I have received the spirit of adoption now, but I have not received the adoption of my body yet. Now, we have to. the reason why I bring this up. You say, well, this is splitting hairs. No, it's it, You have to understand distinctions That's how you really start to, to get it So like, if you were to say Well, what, what is, you know uh, What is God like? Well, God likes everything Well, if you're going to really get to know God You're going to have to start narrowing it down To see what he likes and what he does not like There's some things God doesn't like That's how you get to know someone You understand differences Oh, they, they no, I, I found out It's not actually that It's this so what we're doing is understanding the distinctions between what we have and what we don't have. We have a promise from God that we will have, our body will be adopted, but it is not yet adopted. Our body has not been redeemed. It's not there yet. The predestination unto adoption is a predestination unto a body that looks like Jesus Christ. So you guys, listen. What do you believe in more do you feel your mortality? Do you feel your day of death more keenly than you do the redemption of the purchased possession? That will tell you which side you're leaning on in your Christian life, either the spiritual or the physical. If your if your your daydreams are about how you're gonna die. And how your body's—you know—am I going to get cremated, or am I going to buy, you know, a casket and a plot somewhere? And I wonder how many people will come to my funeral. And I wonder—listen, if that is that going to happen? Yeah, more than likely. If the rapture doesn't happen, that's going to happen to all of us. But I'm telling you, the redemption of the purchased possession is predestinated by God. He's already promised that he is going to change your vile body and make it look like Jesus' body. But see, that, the, the reason why these doctrines sometimes are so, are so laborious or kind of heavy is because we think what's really real is this physical world. And what's kind of maybe kind of fun to kind of think about being real is the spiritual realm. And the Lord says, no, 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 you need to flip that. You need to think more about the fact that you are going to have a body that looks like Jesus Christ. Your daydreams need to be about what's it going to be like when I'm finally with him. Well, you're going to die, no doubt. But God's already factored that into the equation. Not only are you going to die, you need to die in order for him to change your body. Why? In 1 Corinthians 15, he said you're going to be planted. You're a seed that has to go into the ground and die. So I can change you. I don't know about you. I've, I've never uh, seen anyone take those little seed packets and spread them out, you know, on, the, on, on their table and just say, man, one of these days it's going to come up. It's not going to come up until it's buried. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. So we have to start thinking about the fact that our spiritual reality is predestinated. So what is the adoption? The adoption of our body is a blessing that accompanies salvation. It's something that comes along with it. It's not salvation itself. Predestination is not salvation. Predestination is the promise of God that he will redeem your body. That's what predestination is. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children to wit, the redemption of our body. It is the redemption. So it's it's not salvation. Salvation in the Bible is... What's a good synonym for salvation in the Bible? Now, we think, we think spiritual thoughts, and that's true. But is it true that if someone is drowning, they can be saved? Right? So what is a word? Rescue. A rescue from judgment. That's a good synonym for, for salvation. So we realize when we talk about salvation, there's a lot of things that go along with salvation, such as justification, right? Sanctification, regeneration, adoption, all those things come with the package, but they're not all the same thing. And as you get into the Bible and you study and you say, okay, the Bible says that we are to study to show thyself approved unto God, rightly dividing the words of truth. And that's not just about the ages of the dispensations. That's about the words of That's about salvation itself. That's about making distinctions between terms. That means that, and that means that. The more that you do that, the better you understand. So we have salvation here. They're actually all together in the package, but they are different, separate elements. So think about it this way. When you got saved, God could have said, I'm not sending you to hell, but I'm not going to make you my son. I mean, wouldn't that have been very, 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 very kind of God? Just to say, I'm not sending you to hell. He could have done that and been completely righteous. What if he just say, I, I'm going to save you and I, I'm going to give you a new body, but it's not going to be like my body. Because you have not <laughs> earned that at all. I don't mind you being in heaven, but I want there to be a distinction. Between me, the son of God, and you, the one that just barely got in there, God could have easily said that. So what what he's done is he's given us blessings that go with salvation. See, our God is so generous and so kind, he thinks of everything and he thinks of more things that you and I ever would think of. He just keeps pouring it on. And one of those things that he gives us is the adoption of our body. What is that? That is a resurrection body. Now, look in Ephesians chapter 1 and Romans chapter 8. Ephesians chapter 1. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Where do we get these spiritual blessings? In Christ. Okay, then look at, hold on to Ephesians 1. Look at Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In Ephesians, he called them all spiritual blessings. He gives us all things. Well, what kind of things? Well, go back to Ephesians 1. Look what he says. According as he hath chosen us in him. Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 8. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He the Lord gives us opportunity to have wisdom and prudence. But apparently, he didn't just save us just to keep us out of the way. He's empowering us with his wisdom. God wants you to have wisdom. He wants you to have prudence. That came with the package. It, it, you ever get a gift package? And you open it up and you're like, oh, look at this. And then there's more in the package. Look at this. Oh, look at this. This is too much. That's the kind of gift package the Lord gives us in salvation. All spiritual blessings. Look at verse number 8. Uh, verse number 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. There's the resurrected body. They're blessings connected to salvation. Now, hold your place if you have it in Romans chapter 8. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. How are we doing tonight? Everybody okay? All right. Hebrews chapter 6, look at verse number 7. He says, For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. Blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. Accompany. There are blessings that are accompanying, that will accompany our salvation. The adoption of children is a blessing that accompanies salvation. So God predestinates us to get a blessing. And that blessing concerning our body is a resurrected, Christ-like body. Now back to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. He says in verse number 18. For I reckon, Romans 8, 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, where do we suffer in this present time? Suffer in our body are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation, the physical manifestation of the sons of God. You know, there should never be any reason why you should look at your body. Why, why would anyone ever look at their body and say, man, I remember when? Why do we do that? Because in our minds we have an ideal body Of what we should be able to do And you know what a person who is in the prime Physical prime of their life You know what they think They think they are absolutely immortal They think they cannot be touched They, they, they think they can do things that other humans can't do They even have an ideal in their mind of their body That's not even true When they're at the top of their game Why? There's something in our physical body that is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Manifestation. What is that? Well, if you, you know, if you were to talk to a psychic, a manifestation is the visible representation. It's when something appears. Well, they copped that from the Bible. The manifestation of the sons of God is when you will see and I will see what you look like in your glorified body. You ever think about when you're driving down the road and you see all these cars? It's like, oh, that truck. Oh, that car. That's not a person. We don't even see the real person. We just see this car. You and I don't see the real person. We're saved. We don't even see the We see the old flesh, the corruptible body. But one of these days, the manifestation of the sons of God is going to be this. That God is going to show you what he really wants you to look like. That's why we shouldn't spend so much time worrying about what we look like in the flesh. You know, we spend all the time pampering and primping and buying the nicest clothes and all that stuff. And and, and, and by the way, everybody else in the world does the same thing. You and I as children of God, we have a guaranteed on the calendar day when we're going to look amazing. How amazing? Just as amazing as Jesus Christ. So that's why I don't have to spend all my time looking better. Now I'm I, hey I'm I'm thankful for a beautiful wife who spends time l- making things look better, spending time buying. I'm thankful for that. But you know it doesn't matter what she does or what I do. Things are winding down eventually. Now in my wife's case, not for about fifty years. But it's all going to happen to us, isn't it? But just like you have that clock inside, there is something that is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Isn't that what he said? Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear, but we shall be. That, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be what? Like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Did you see Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8, verse 21? He says, Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Bondage. There ain't a thing in the world you can do. You are in bondage to that corruption. But he said, It's going to be delivered. Verse 22, the context is the flesh and pain in the flesh. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. First fruits. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. Jesus gave us the spirit of God. And we have the first fruits of the spirit. And he's whispering to us, I'm going to fix it all. I'm going to change it all. When you listen to the spirit of God, he tells you, everything's all right in my father's house. Nobody dies up there. Nobody's in pain up there. He whispers that to us. We have the first fruits of the spirit. And because of that, he said, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. (laughs) You ever tell your kids, do you guys want to go to Disney World? I never tell my kids that because I know if I say that, of course, I don't have any kids around anymore, but I never did say that with that. Why? Because I didn't want to give them this idea that it was going to happen when it wasn't going to happen, right? We have a little dog and the little dog sits there basically all day, just sits there. That's what dogs are for, right? And you could say to, to, to the dog, little dog, Hazel, Hazel, you want to go to the park? Her ears go up. Now, sometimes my daughter will say, Hazel, you want to go to the park? And I say, don't say that to her. You're not going to take her to the park. She gets excited. She's going to go to the park. It's like she has something to live for now. Right? You know, the Lord is is whispering the same thing inside. he, He reminds us, you're not going to stay here for the rest of the world, the rest of time. You're going to leave this world, and I'm going to change it and make it all better. And inside we go, right now? Are we going right now? No, we're not And that's what causes us to groan within ourselves You know, think about this The fact that you're groaning About your physical health Or someone else's physical health If you'll think about it It's a reminder that God's promised to fix it all You're saying Why do I have to go through this? Well, whoever said that life was anything but pain Whoever said that, I mean, why don't we get punched in the face all day long? Why don't, why don't we get a nice paper cut and pour lemon juice in it, right? Well, I mean, why, why, who says we shouldn't be in pain all the time? You know, we think about that. Man, I just can't believe that person is suffering. If you flip that around, I can't believe we're all suffering. We're not suffering with cancer. I can't believe we're all not dying on, on our deathbed right now. God's been very good to us. But we have to recognize that the reason why we push back against suffering is because we know, number one, that something's not right with suffering. We shouldn't be doing that. But number two, we know it's not always going to be this way. God's going to fix this thing in the future. He's promised to do it. Look what he says. What are we waiting for? Verse 23. Waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. We live up in uh, Temperance. Right now we're temporarily in Perrysburg. But we live up there in Temperance. And you know what we have? We have people who come by on their bicycles. And they have these big garbage bags on their bikes. Guess what the garbage bags are full of? Cans and bottles. Where are they going? They're going to Kroger. They're going to Lambertville, Kroger. Why? I, they got to get some money to drink, amen? I mean, smokes don't buy themselves. So they got, I, I say that not to be unkind, but I, I just, I can't help but, but notice. Uh, that, where are they getting all these cans from? I don't know. And they're going up there and they're going to, they're going to redeem that bottle. And Michigan's so, we have so much money in Michigan. They're going to give, give you money for putting a bottle in the machine. You know what they're saying? I don't want this bottle anymore. I want something instead of that bottle. And those people will wait. They'll be there before the store is even open, waiting in line. Waiting for the redemption of their bottles. And you and I are waiting for the redemption of our body. But I can promise you this. It's not going to be some little pittance like Kroger gives you. You know what's going to happen? The worst thing about you, your old body and old nature... Is gonna be changed and done away with into the very best thing about you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's what God's doing. Look, he says in verse 26 likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, infirmities of our body. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know what's interesting? The Holy Spirit knows the groanings that we have. We are groaning. He's groaning as well as he prays for us. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, them he, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, predestinate to a Christ-like resurrection body, them he also called, whom he called, them he also justified, so he could legally give us that body, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, when are we glorified? There's a part of me that's glorified. There's a part of me that is anything but glorified. He has promised that I will be glorified. You see, the entire thrust here of this passage is the new body. Verse 33, he said, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. There's the chosen. Chosen. Now, notice that his blessing here is because of his love. Who shall separate us, verse 35? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Is there anything that can happen to your body that will take away the predestination? Nothing. Nothing. Why? Because God loves you, He loves you so much. That he will not let anything take away the redemption of your body. It's the love of God. Look at verse 39. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what your destiny is? Your destiny is to have everything about you fixed. So, to such a degree, that you look like Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God. Don't tell me you can't get up and serve the Lord tomorrow. Don't tell me that you can't get through your horrible, terrible life. Yes, it's terrible. Yes, there's suffering. Yes, there's problems. But you have a guarantee from God himself that he is going to fix everything that's wrong with you. And everything that's wrong with anybody that's in Christ. What a glorious God. It's like he invites us to a party and you say, well, I don't have anything. Don't worry. I'm providing everything. Well, I don't have the right clothes. Don't worry. I'll get you clothes. Well, I'm not that pretty. It's okay. I'm going to make you pretty. I don't have any friends. I've got tons of people in my family. You're in my family. Well, I don't know anybody. Well, you know me. And so that means you know everybody. It's a marvel. This is how good our God is. He loves us. In Ephesians chapter 2, he said he hath made us accepted, in Ephesians chapter 1 rather, accepted in the beloved. Everything that God the Father showers on his Son is going to be available to you. Because God loves you. Don't let the devil come along and tell you, this world is a horrible, terrible place and it's getting worse and I don't know what's going to happen. And you know what? You're right. You, You may have in your body right now a disease... It's killing you faster than you even know. Maybe. I don't, I don't like the thought of that. But Romans chapter 8 says, I have given you the spirit of adoption. And one day, we're going to actually sit down and we're going to sign the papers. I've promised you that I will change everything about you. What hurts, what hurts mostly in your body? Is it is it your foot? Is it your your intestine? Something intestinal? Is it is it some, something in your bones, your your joints? What hurts about your body? Maybe it's a it's something about your mind that's just not quite what like it used to be. Maybe it's it's a feeling that has come in a blueness of of, of, of spirit, just kind of a heaviness. I don't know. Ephesians tells us that we've obtained an inheritance, that we're predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Romans tells us in verse number 17, He said, If children, then heirs, heirs of God, and you're not going to believe this, joint heirs with Christ. How is that even possible? The idea that somehow you and I could earn that? No, no. The gift of God has given all those things to you. So to recap, there's no verse that specifically states when predestination happened or happens. Predestination in the Bible is not unto salvation. It is unto adoption. It's not a lost man getting saved. It is a saved man getting a new body. It's defined as the redemption of the body, not the soul of the spirit. And it is a blessing that comes with salvation. It happens at the resurrection. I want to encourage you, Christian. Some of you I've seen in the hospital. Some of you may not know it, but you might be in the hospital in a couple weeks. Some of you think, hospital? What's that? I don't even know what that is. Thank God that your body is in good, good working order. But I want you to back up the track just for a moment and think about this thing. Whether you like your body or you don't like it, it is the temple that God has given you. It is the vehicle in which you travel. Just like your car is not you, your body is not you. He said, you've been bought with a price. I paid for that car. So you ought to drive it like I would drive it. You ought to to be kind to that car. You ought to show me some respect when you drive that car. That's what the Lord says about our body. You You ought to show me respect with your body because I purchased it. You and I have an opportunity to show how grateful we are for that coming predestinated adoption, for that changing. We can show how thankful we are today by how we treat this body. Maybe you oughtn't be staying up all night long. Maybe you ought to be careful what you put into your body. Maybe you ought to think about the fact that this world is not about you getting what you want for your body, but your body is a vehicle through which you can bless other people. Wherefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Christian, don't listen to the lie of a modern Christianity that says, if you're saved, you're good to go. You can do whatever you want. No, I'm bought with a price. How do I know that? You know, what's interesting. Nobody talks about the liberty they have when they're on their deathbed. Why? Because they can't get up and party like they used to. They're not thinking about using their body for themselves. You know what they're thinking about? They're thinking about that new body that God promised. You don't have to wait until your deathbed to start thinking about why God put you on this earth. You say, my body is getting old. It's breaking down. It's creaky. Yeah, he promised that. And that, by the way, that's an evidence that he's going to change that thing out. Because this one's not sufficient. But before those days like Ecclesiastes 12 talks about, when, 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 when the windows are darkened and when the grasshoppers are burden, before you get to that place where you can't even move around, like, why don't you take this physical body and why don't you spend some time in the Bible? Sit down and open up the windows of your soul and read. Why don't you just take those knees or take, take in, if you can't kneel, you can sit and talk to God. Use your body. Why don't you take a gospel tract or an apple pie and go next door to your neighbor and share the love of Jesus Christ. Use your body. You know, all your workplaces using your body. Why? They don't care about you. They care about what your body can do for that company. But God cares about you. And he says, I'm going to give you the privilege and the the liberty to choose what you want to do with your body. I recommend glorifying me with it. And if you'll do that, what you'll find in yourself is a satisfaction. Number one, knowing that I can enjoy living in this body for God. And number two, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how sick I get, one of these days I'm going to be adopted physically into the kingdom of God.